So we're going to pick up the scripture this morning from Luke chapter 4. And I, I can identify with Jesus, and I, I'm sure we all can. And, and let's put our hands together for the young mums and dads. You guys are awesome. You do a fantastic job. And um, so in Luke 4, we're looking here, and, and early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd, crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that brings life and hope and joy to us all. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to earth, that you lived the kingdom, and that the Lord, Lord, this world is a better place because you came, you lived, you died, and you rose again. And thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that is with us and amongst us. And as we look into your word today, may you reveal your truth. May you encounter us, refresh us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Immediately before this verse, Jesus was at church. He was at synagogue. And uh, if we've got the slides there, I'll just show you what this looks like. This is the Sea of Galilee, um, although it's called Lake Gazerite, which is the, the name the locals call it. Uh, we know it as the Sea of Galilee. And the very north there is Capernaum, where that is Jesus' headquarters for his earthly ministry. And where this story is based that we're reading today is in Capernaum. And uh, Jesus went to church there, went to synagogue. And if we go to the next slide, that's the synagogue where Jesus attended. It didn't actually attend that particular building. That was built about three or four hundred years after Jesus's life on earth. But the foundation stones of that synagogue, Wendy and I have had the privilege of actually going there, are the original foundation stones of the synagogue that Jesus attended. Isn't that amazing to go and look at these stones and go, these are over 2,000 years old. And this is the place where Jesus would come to each Sunday when he's in Capernaum to read the scriptures and teach the scriptures in this place here. It's amazing. If we go to the next slide, and so you can see the synagogue uh, in the bottom right-hand corner, and then in the top left-hand corner is an octagon shape. Um, that is St. Peter's house. It didn't look like that when he was there. About three or four hundred years later on that very site, a lot of churches on these holy sites in Israel, um, sorry, on these holy sites, churches would be built. And on St. Peter's place, a church was built. Uh, but that is the actual site of his um, place where Jesus went and healed his mother, his sick mother-in-law. And then if you went another sort of 50 to 60 metres to the top left-hand side, you'd see the Sea of Galilee. So it's very, very close. So you know when Jesus said um, to Peter when they went to the synagogue and the um, there was a, a person there who said, you need to pay your, your temple tax. And Jesus said to Peter, go to the lake and put your line in and catch a fish and there you'll find a coin in it. Peter would have left the synagogue here, here, just walked down that road, gone to the lake, caught a fish, two coins in it, and given it to the, the priest at the temple, at, at the synagogue. So isn't that amazing? So what's happening here? Jesus has been, if we go back to the scripture, thanks. Yeah, that would be great. Jesus has been teaching the synagogue. He heals Peter's mum. And then in the evening, it goes on immediately before this verse that Jesus is healing all those that are sick and oppressed with devils and demons, delivering people. And the place is electric with Jesus ministering. Just imagine if you're in this house, this area, and there's somebody that comes in with a withered hand. And Jesus says, put, the, put their hand out for them to put their hand out. And he just touches it and instantly it's healed. 
If you were there, I don't know about you, but if I was there with my friends, I'd be saying, watch this, what's going, Jesus is going to do next? There would have been such an expectancy in that environment for the miracle working power of Jesus to be released. And do you know expectancy is a real important thing to see God's miracle working power? God wants his church to be a people of expectancy that we can expect and know that God will act because that's who he is. So Jesus is pretty tired. And so early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. After my story with the grandchildren, I know how he felt. And it's really, really interesting in Jewish culture. Um, we look at it, well, in our culture, a day starts at midnight today uh, and this morning and goes through to midnight uh, this evening. We call that one day. In Jewish culture, a day is quite different. It starts in the evening uh, before and finishes in the evening or, or sunset of this day. So we see that in Genesis 1-1, where God created the heavens and earth in the beginning, uh, God said let, um, uh, after the first day, there was evening and morning. That was the first day. And then you go on a little bit further. The second day, there was evening and morning. So this cycle of evening and morning was their normal day, unlike ours, which starts um, at midnight and finishes at midnight. And it's a very, very different picture because this is what we do. We work all through the day. Finally, when we're finished, we put our feet up, come home, open the newspaper or open up the device, put our feet up in front of the telly or whatever it is and have a rest. In Jewish culture, is exactly the opposite. You meet together in the evening, you have a meal with your family, get around the campfire, sing a few songs, go to bed, be refreshed, and then go to work. And so Jesus was working in the evening. And so it's very interesting. And so there's three points I want to share with you from the scripture today. Um, the first point is take time to rest. It's number one. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, take time to rest. Second point is, take time to hear. Why don't you turn to your other neighbour and say, take time to hear. I see that smooching in the back row. Very nice. <laughs> and third point, take time to share. So take time to rest, take time to hear, take time to share. So Jesus is going to an isolated place. Who knows, he may have had some young children in the place that he was staying that were bothering him as well. I don't know. But taking time out in our busy world to rest is really, really important, isn't it? You know, if we greet one another, typically we say, how are you going? The typical response is, I am busy. I am busy. Sometimes I think we say that sort of to self-validate ourselves. Look at me to gain some approval. I'm working really, really hard. You should be really appreciating what I'm doing. So therefore I say I'm busy. Just imagine how different it would be if I went up to Luke and he asked me how you go, I'm saying, I'm just resting. I'm just chilling. Taking it really easy. Wouldn't that be nice? And so there is a place that Jesus wants to come that we are at rest. Jesus has gone to an isolated place. He's re resting physically. He's resting emotionally. Because in our world, in the busy pace, it's very easy to get soul tired where things are just all go-go. If you're looking after people that are not well, you can get compassion fatigue. If your work is just overwhelming, you become fatigued with that. Jesus is saying, take time to reflect, take time to rest, take time to put your feet up and look after yourself. And so here's a few points to help you do that. Number one, get some really good sleep. 
you haven't been sleeping well, maybe going to bed too late, rising too early, why don't you do something about that tonight? Go to bed a little bit earlier. What about this? Give yourself a vacation from the digital devices. Just imagine being off a device like this for 24 hours. Man, some of us, I don't know how we could cope with that. This is true. The other day I was reading stuff. I read stuff quite a bit. And I was thinking, it just dawned on to me, all this news is bad news. Why am I even reading it? So I took a stuff holiday and I'm still on it. I'm filling myself with other stuff. So taking time to rest, taking time to put your feet up, taking time to go for a walk, just enjoying nature, maybe a walk around the lake, maybe a walk through the bush, just taking time. But the key thing about rest is resting in God and with God. The most important rest for all of us is to sit down and Psalm 46 verse 1, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. That's the rest that our souls and our spirits need every day. Jesus went to an isolated place to find it. Where do you go and find it? Just going, I'm going to rest. I'm going to take time and rest. So I want to really encourage you. Point number one, take time to rest. Point number two, the crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. Whose voice are you listening to? Is it the voice of the crowd or is it the voice of God? Is it the voice of the crowd or is it the voice of God? I really uh, find this interesting when you look at politics, global politics, and I look at Donald Trump. Uh, to me, he doesn't listen to the voice of the, tra- the crowd. Uh, he's very singly focused, isn't he? isn't he? But when I look in our own national politics and when we look at the debate around the global, uh, sorry, the capital tax uh, gains tax, it's very interesting. The crowd, the body of people were saying, hey, we don't want to see this. And to my surprise, Jacinda Ardern thought, well, said we're not going to do it. It's really interesting how the voice or the voices around us influence us. I've told you this story before, and I, and I want to share a little bit more about it with you, about this vintage car that uh, we've been sourcing as a family. My grandfather in 1916 bought three of these cars, brand new. Um, they were called Hupmobiles. They're no longer manufactured, but they're from the US. And uh, in the late 60s and early 70s, my dad went back to the farm, his family farm, and thought, I'm going to re- get this car and I'm going to restore it because it's a lot of value for our family. And so he found this car and he found another one. And um, he was an engineer. He's a very detailed engineer. So when he restored things, it would take for ages. And I can remember him um, taking things apart, putting them together, ordering them all up, taking them apart, putting them back together, taking them apart, leaving them in, or putting them in boxes for the day that he was really going to put them together. So this project took forever. And for me, being a young fellow, I was going, Dad, when are you ever going to finish this thing? Sadly, he passed away in 1998 and the car wasn't finished and it got dispersed. We had some, my half-brother had some, and it went with another person who said, I'm going to look after it. My son qualified as a mechanic at the end of last year. And one of the first things he said to me after that, Dad, I want to restore this car. Great. But, oh, where is it? And so I contacted my half-brother and we could get the engine 
I had some bits, but the most important parts that were in storage with somebody else, we, we still can't get hold of them. We don't know where he is and nobody seems to know where he is. And the parts that are missing are vital. There's no chassis. There's, or the parts that are missing are the chassis. You, you could just imagine, you can't build a car without a chassis, without axles and without a body. And so there's just, it's just not there. And because we contacted a number of people asking for help and assistance. And this was the overwhelming voice of the crowd. You can't do it. Forget it. Just, it's over. I remember speaking to one guy in Auckland in particular. He was expressly negative. He said, what are you doing? There's no way you can do it. And um, there was just these voices, this voice of this crowd, if you like, was saying it can't be done. So taking the model of Jesus, resting. Lord, what are you saying about this? Praying about it. And this is what I honestly felt God say, just leave it with me. Just leave it with me. Isn't it amazing how a word from God can just push the tide of the crowd's voice completely aside? The voice of God is so powerful. It's so transformative. And it's so important we take the time to rest and hear His voice. And so... Some of you may be aware of this part of the story where I was told to contact a guy, which I did. He was based in Gisborne. He happened to be in Hamilton that particular week. Came round, he took some photos, came round a second time, took some further photos of the stuff we had, put a two-line advertisement in the National Vintage Car Magazine of New Zealand. Get a call from Christchurch. I might be able to help you. We go down there. There is this car. It's in bits, but there's the chassis, there's the actual, there's the body bits. And I go, Hallelujah. The crowd had said there was no car here. And here's the wonderful thing. It's a miracle for my family. It's a miracle for my sons. My oldest son is going back to church and he acknowledges this is a miracle. And I go, God, you're interested even in cars. Wow, what a miracle working God. We've bought it. It's still not here yet. And um, I'll show you a picture of it one time. You can actually have a look at what it looks like. But isn't it amazing? Listening to God makes all the difference. And so I want to really encourage us to listen to God. Jesus is saying, take time to get it to rest, to be still in your spirit, and then take time to hear God. Some of you may do this, but I want to encourage you to do it every morning. Ask Father, Father, what do you want to say to me this morning? Have a pen, paper, and just begin to write it down. Because, you know, when you hear hear directly from God, when it goes in your spirit, nothing can move that word. You can hear a word secondhand from somebody, which is good. But when God speaks directly to your spirit, that's faith is activated. That is powerful. That is strong. Paul prayed this in the Ephesians. He said to the church at Ephesus, I pray that you'll have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That when you hear the Word of God, when you read the Word of God, it becomes illuminated to you, and it is real firsthand. It's not secondhand revelation. It is yours firsthand. You're hearing it. It's absorbing into you as a person, and it's manifesting Jesus in you. You know, I believe this is the season. This is the time when God is pouring out revelation of His Word like He's never done before. He really is. And if you'll take the time to rest 
and take time to hear, God will speak and release revelation after revelation to you. All he's asking, take time to rest, take time to hear. One of the, uh, I want to share an example of, of a revelation of how just impacting it is. And yet when I share it to you, it may seem, oh, okay. But for me, it was absolutely life-changing. And I know for some of you, you'll have things that are life-changing for you. Thanksgiving is a big thing for me. I really believe in gratitude as a key attitude. And Psalm 118 verse 1, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. And yeah, it's really interesting. We live in a world, a fallen world, where things go wrong. You know, I talk to people and they tell me that their, their dog got run over or they lost their job or their children are not going the way that they would like to them. And the response to me often, not always, but often is, why is God punishing me? And the truth is God is not punishing them at all. Jesus took our punishment on the cross. He's not punishing them. We live in a fallen world where things go wrong and that's the way it is in this world. But Psalm 118 verse 1, give thanks. And this is the revelation the Lord gave to me. As we thank Him, our spiritual eyes, our eyes of our heart are opened. And this is what we see. We don't see all the negativity. We see this one thing. God is good. And a good God can only release good things to His people. A good Father can only give good things. So bad things are not coming from Him. He's not punishing people. He's a good God. And when you know He's good, the next part of that verse is His love endures forever. When God sunk that in my spirit, it's anchored here. And I praise Him for it. And I want to really encourage you is to seek God's word that's been revealed to you. And it's simply like this, taking time with God, time to rest, come into the next seat, time to hear, having his word, and God will speak. God will speak to you through his word. And if you ask him, Father, what do you want to say to me this morning? I believe he'll talk to you. I believe, whether it comes by impression or whatever, the only time I have um, struggled with this, this is really, really interesting. We were in Palmerston North and we were leading the church and we were asked to take over and pastor it. And I said to the executive team, can you give us a week? Wendy and I are going to go on holiday. We're going to go and rest and we're going to seek God. And so I said, Lord, do you want us to do this thing? First day I heard nothing. After four days of trying to find and hear God, I kid you not, I heard nothing. Not a whisper, not you could or you should, maybe I heard nothing. And so I went back and I said, look, I'm sorry as much as I'd like to. I don't believe God wants us to do it because I've heard nothing from him. And here we are. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. So hearing God, so taking time to rest, taking time to hear. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, take time to hear God. I, I like what uh, Pastor Mark Zickler in the States says, that often, I mean, we, we're like a radio. We can tune in, dial in 
to God whenever we want to. And God's thoughts often go just like a breeze of a thought through our minds that when God is talking to us or reminding us of things. I had a situation very recently, I lost my keys, which is, again, well, somebody in our household lost their keys. That's right, it was somebody else, it wasn't me this time. They've been looking for them for days. And I said, Lord, where are they? And I just saw this picture of this console. And I went there, and there it was. Just tuning into God. We're all designed, rivers of living water. It's for every person. It's not, not special, but it's every person to draw into God. Okay, finally, the third point. Jesus said, but he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. Time to, to rest, time to hear, and time to share. Do you know, all over the country today, and it's wonderful, people are in churches, but tomorrow many people will go back into their workplaces and some of their workmates will ask, what did you do over the weekend? And they'll say, oh, we went and uh, maybe saw some friends or whatever. But the opportunity to talk about the, a conversation about Jesus won't be there. How easy it is when somebody says, um, how was your weekend? Look, it was really good and I had a great time at church. That often can be the key to start a conversation. And so I want to really encourage this church. It was for this purpose that Jesus was sent to share the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a big topic, isn't it? If I asked somebody to define what it is, what would you say? The reign of Christ, I like that. Any other comments? The dominion of the king, I really like that one too. Thank you, Jay. So the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is king. It's his reign. It's the expression of his lordship. Wherever he is, he's expressing it. When he came on earth and when he was in Capernaum and when there was sickness there, when Jesus is the king, what's sickness going to do? It's going to disappear. Where there's darkness, it's going to get expelled because the kingdom of light absolutely pushes out everything that's of the kingdom of darkness. And that has got to be good news. When somebody is feeling hopeless and despair, and when the kingdom of God brings hope, that is good news. When somebody is feeling ill and sick, and when we can come along and pray for them, and they feel much better, or even get completely healed and well, that is good news. I remember some time years ago when I first gave my heart to the Lord, when a neighbour of mine shared this good news. You can find peace and relationship with the one who made you. I thought, yeah, something in me wanted that. Invited Jesus into my life and I walked out of one kingdom into the kingdom of light, just like you have done. Wasn't that a good day? Amen? Absolutely. And so this good news of this kingdom is something I want to really encourage us to be on the front foot to share with others. And Jesus has set up a really nice pattern. Take time with God. Take time to hear Him and make time to share Him, to share this good news of this wonderful kingdom. We live in a messed up world, but there's one who can sort all the mess out and His name is Jesus. And that's the hope we bring to the world. 
And so I want to really encourage you uh, as you go today is take the opportunity tomorrow. Maybe even sometime today you can pray this. Just sitting down at home, whatever. Lord, I pray, give me the opportunity to share the good news of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus with others. I shared it in the 9am when I was 18. My cousin and I were exactly the same age, be it for several weeks. He was getting married. They were from a pretty uh, interesting family. Um, They were into parties and all that sort of thing. And um, I went to the reception and it was all very raucousy. And um, his father-in-law was a very austere headmaster. And he said, I want to talk with you. And we walked outside, and it was a beautiful starlit night, and we were talking away, and then he said these words to me, Ray, the world's a real mess, what's the answer? And I thought, here's the answer to my prayer, and I'm riddled with fear, and guess what I said? I wish I did say Jesus. I said, I don't know. Wasn't very good, was it? I really sort of bit myself up about that, but I, wanted, I say that to encourage you. Soon after that time, I was in Fiji, and I was preaching in a church, and the meeting had finished, and I went outside, and there were 15 young Fijian people there, and I really felt the Lord say, just share your story with them, which I did. And 15 young Fijian people gave their lives to Jesus. So isn't that good? So every day, you have an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus, the good news of this kingdom. This kingdom is light, it's not dark. It's hope, it's not despair. It's love, it's not hate. It's faith, it's not fear. It's a tremendous privilege to be in the kingdom of God for such a time as this and to share it. And we serve a miracle-working God. He's not just any God, He's a miracle-working God. If He can bring vintage cars... (laughs) He's amazing. There's nothing he cannot do if there's faith and a heart that's willing to believe him. And so church, I want to really encourage you to take the time to rest, to take the time to hear, and to take the time to share. Here's a couple of other things about the kingdom which I think is really important for us to just focus on for a few moments. I don't know about you, but I've discovered the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. If somebody's given you a hard time, the kingdom of the world says, give them a hard time back. What does the kingdom of God say? Love them. Luke 6.38, bless those that curse, pray for those that persecute you. That's what the kingdom says. If you're struggling financially and going, Joe, I haven't got enough food, I haven't got enough money in the bank account, the world would say, work harder. What does the kingdom of God say? Give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It doesn't make sense, does it? The kingdom is an upside down kingdom. And I want to say to you, if you're struggling financially, if your business is struggling, one of the best things you can do is begin to give. Not because I say it, it's because of the word of God that says it. These are spiritual things. I mean, the one that we just, Luke 6.38, about bless those that curse. I've got a number of stories. I've shared this before, but I I want to share it again because I hope it will really encourage one or two people. My boss asked me to go to Auckland. This was years ago. 
and look after the Auckland factory, it was a plastics factory, which I thought, great, I'm in my early 30s, yeehaw, I'm looking forward to this wonderful opportunity to put my mark, my stamp. And the first day I walked through the door, there were these old, old, I'm there now myself, 50 and 60 year old men, and they just were like this. So who do you think you are? I didn't say that, but that's their body language. I was living in Fielding and just a small country banking place, and who do you think you are? I remember going home that evening, Wendy was with me, and I said, Wendy, this is just so unfair. Done nothing wrong. Working well. And they're just stonewalling me. And it was really uh, tangible. And I, doing this scripture here, rest, take time to hear. Jesus said to me, bless those that curse. So I thought, okay, I've got a choice. Every one of us has a choice when we face difficult situations where we respond according to the kingdom or we respond to the kingdom of the world. It's our choice. So I thought, I'm going to take what Jesus said in his word and I'm going to bless them. And so I began to pray blessing over their names. And I can tell you this is the honest truth. I did not want to do it. I did not feel like doing it. My flesh was going, why even bother? But God's word said do it. So that's what I began to do. Did it for one week. Did anything change? Nothing. Did it for another week. Did anything change? Nope. Did it for a whole month. Might have missed two or three days. Very, very few days. Finally got to six weeks. Then I noticed things were just, it wasn't antagonistic, but nor was it really supportive. Carried on praying for 12 weeks, every day praying this. This is what I felt in my heart to do. At the end of 12 weeks, we were getting on like a house on fire. I thought, wow, this is amazing. I said, Lord, can I do an experiment? Can I stop praying and see what happens? So I stopped praying and very quickly it sort of neutralized. I said, Lord, can I do another experiment? I'll pray again. And it went over here and it dawned onto me. I wasn't fighting a physical battle. This battle wasn't their faces. It wasn't them at all. It wasn't my wife. It wasn't my neighbor. It wasn't Joe, Glenn, whatever his name was. It was unseen spiritual powers. And the enemy would try and get me to say, oh, it's them when it's not. And when I blessed them, I was invoking a kingdom principle. Bless those that curse opens for the blessing of God to permeate the darkness and let his light shine through. And he needs a person. He needs you to partner with him to see his kingdom come. And when we take the time to rest, when we take the time to hear, when we take the time to share, we're just being like Jesus. Jesus said, for this purpose, I was sent going from town to town, preaching the good news of the kingdom, because that's why I was sent. It's what you and I are sent to do. We're sent to rest. We're sent to hear. And we're sent to share. That's been like Jesus. And so I want to encourage you this week, let's really take the time aside to allow the Lord to position us where he wants us to be positioned for his glory. Awesome challenge, eh? Yeah. Why don't we pray? 
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your awesome example that you took time to rest, to draw aside with your Father. You took time to hear, to receive fresh revelation and instruction on what to do next. And there you went about doing good, healing the sick, setting the oppressed going through free, establishing your dominion, sharing and preaching this good news that we've all been called to share. And so, Father, I pray as a body of people that, Lord, you would refresh us with fresh revelation. Lord, you would empower us to share your word. Father, we wouldn't, uh, I pray, be complacent but we would be active and on the front foot, uh, ready and open to share your word.